Good morning, people of God. Special welcome to any of you that might be visiting with us today, either in person or through our live stream. For those of you who are new to us this morning, my name is Pastor Kelsey Parker. I'm one of two pastors here at King of Kings. Your other pastor, Pastor Dave, is unfortunately home with COVID. Um, so please keep him in your prayers. He's pretty laid up right now, um, but he is also, you know, in charge of a household full of boys while also not feeling well. So double prayers for Pastor Dave this morning. Uh, if you're joining us online, as is our practice, we will be communing together, and we invite you to join us in doing so. Uh, just gather either grape juice or wine, some sort of bread, and you will be able to take that from where you are, knowing that Jesus is able to work powerfully through simple elements that we gather for ourselves. I have quite a few announcements for today. The first and foremost is always to please fill out your yellow slip. We like to know that you've been here. It helps us to just be aware of who we're seeing on a Sunday. Uh, please fill that out and put that into the offering plate. For the next five Wednesday nights, we'll be having uh, Wednesday night events that will begin with a supper at 6 o'clock, followed by a short devotion that's age-appropriate for all ages, and then some sort of activity that will either be creating something for you to take home and use during Lent, or creating f something for someone else to be uh, used in service to people in need. Uh, so we invite you to come in and lean into Lent in those five upcoming Wednesday night activities. You can sign up online or there are clipboards with a sign-up for each Wednesday night in the lobby. Uh, our God's Work Our Hands team is collecting items to fill Easter baskets for Samaritas. Samaritas is an outreach organization that provides help and support in our community. As you head out of the sanctuary, there's a beautiful table there and a little tree with Easter tags. If you take one of those tags, it will tell you a handful of items that we need to place into those baskets. And then Samaritas is going to use those baskets to hand out to about 96 children in the adoption program in Detroit and in affordable living communities in Adrian and Monroe. So what a great cause. Thank you to everyone who supported our Super Bowl, our youth Super Bowl sub fundraiser that we uh, uh, made the subs last week and handed out. We raised over $1,000 uh, making those subs for you all. The youth are going to donate half of that to Living Water Ministries, which is the ELCA summer camp on the other side of the state. They use that money to offer scholarships so that kids can go to camp regardless of their family's financial situations. And the other half will go toward our upcoming youth activities. Uh, we are still in need of some people to help maintain the coffee counter where we have our Keurigs and our coffee pods. It just, it takes a little bit of attention on a Sunday morning to keep the water filled and the Keurigs stocked. If that's something you would consider doing either during one service or the other, please call the church office and Jennifer will direct you to how you can volunteer your talents. Let's see. That's all of my announcements. We have one more. I'm going to invite uh, John Polanco to come forward and share with you about another God's Work Our Hands uh, mission project. Good morning, everyone. If you don't know me, I'm John Polanco. Hi, John. Good morning. <laughs> A while back, we had an ice cream social in which we raised some money. Uh, it was about $800. Um, we kind of looked at where we were going to put it and where we wanted to donate it, and we came up with an organization known as Kiva. 
we were going ahead and ran through some administrative stuff to make sure that we could get the money to them. What we found out is that Kiva has seven causes it supports. Since the money was raised through your efforts, what we're going to do today, I have, I'll be set up in the Narthex after service. We want to make sure that those funds go to what you guys wanted to go to. So I'm going to give you three tickets. There's seven little buckets there. You put your ticket in the bucket. And after we get all the collected, this service and the next service, at the midweek uh, email that you'll get from Jennifer, we'll have the results of that and how that money is going to be uh, distributed. If you have any questions on the organization, feel free to ask me. I'll be great. Try to answer them for you. If I can't, I'll get the answer for you. Thank you very much. With all that said, I invite you to stand and greet one another with a peace, a word of peace, or a good morning, or maybe if you don't know the name of the person you're next to, you can introduce yourself. Let us pray. Holy God, Heavenly Father, in the waters of the flood, you saved Noah and his family, and in the wilderness of temptation, you protected your son from sin. Renew us in the gift of baptism. May your holy angels be with us that the wicked foe may have no power over us. Through Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever, and all God's people say, Amen. I invite you to be seated. Dear Church, Grace to you and peace from the God who created you, from the Son who redeems you, and from the Holy Spirit who calls you each by name. Amen. Well, here we are in the season of Lent. Welcome to this 40-day season. A season in the calendar of the church year that is specifically set aside for us to do some self-reflection, some looking inward, some deepening of our own spirituality, of our connection to Jesus, and to ready ourselves for Holy Week, where we celebrate the death and resurrection of Jesus. This Lent, we're going to grow deeper in our relationship to God together through a sermon series called Covenant. Uh, this is a big theme throughout both Old and New Testaments, the concept of covenant, specifically covenant with God. And it's something that we're going to look at each week, a different covenant from Scripture, and delve into what it meant then, what it means now, and how it helps us to better understand God and ourselves. So in order to do that, it might be best to start out by talking just a little bit about what exactly a covenant is. Because I don't know about you, covenant is something that sort of like walks this line very closely with another thing that sounds like it and kind of functions like it, which is a contract. 
Now, how many of you, by show of hands, have ever entered into a contract before, signed on a dotted line, and uh, made a series of promises that you would fulfill or else, basically, right? It's pretty hard to lease an apartment or lease a car, buy a car, buy a home, start a mortgage, if you aren't willing to enter into a contract of some kind. Contract It's an important sort of building block of how we can hold a society together, how we can treat each other fairly and equitably. Contracts are a good thing. Now, some of you may actually specialize in contracts, like you litigate or you notarize or do things and you really deeply understand the language of legal contracts. Me personally, my contracts look a little bit more lately like this example from yesterday. Having methodically swabbed everyone's nose in our home to figure out who was staying upstairs and who was going down the basement, um, I made a contract with the three healthy people people in my family and I said here's the deal I'm exhausted I got to get ready for service tomorrow and I need you all to work therefore if you will report to me and ask for tasks for the next 30 minutes constantly what can I do mom what's next mom how can I help mom can I put that laundry away mom 30 minutes if you fulfill that I contract with you I will pay you all five dollars <laughs> which I'm not proud of However, it is enough to buy one Pokemon pack when you go to Target, so it was like highly enticing, and I had three little worker bees just crossing off things on the to-do list. It was a contract I was well pleased with by the end of the evening. The house looked much better. There's the thing about a contract. It is sets up a set of rules and requirements, and it's based around a very simple language piece, which is the if then clause. If you do this, then you will receive this. We know this well. We know this. We know this is how it works. We know that when we rent our apartments, if we're not scrubbing out that oven on the last day before we check out, we're not getting our security deposit back. If, then. That's how contracts work. It's a good thing. They they keep us safe. They hold us together. They make things right in our world. But when you really boil it down, that kind of agreement, that kind of a relational piece, it's based on distrust, isn't it? It's based on the fact that you can't just trust that your tenants will leave the house in good shape when they leave. It's that you can't trust, unless you put a dollar amount on it, that the laundry is going to go in the right drawer. It's based on the fact that you, you kind of know that person, but do you really know them? And life happens, and I better have their name on a dotted line. If, then. That's how a good contract works. But that begs the question... If our relationships with each other, or furthermore, our relationship with God, is existing in this realm of contract, what does that say about God? And what does that say about me and you? Because contracts have consequences. But healthy human relationships and healthy a healthy spiritual relationship is built on a spirit of trust. A trust only becomes possible when we willfully, lovingly yield our stake in the game, 
our power, our authority, and make ourselves vulnerable to the other. Covenants don't operate with an if-then scenario. A covenant is a because-therefore scenario. Because I love you, I trust you, I care for you, I'm committed to you, therefore I will show up for you, be there for you, commit to you, stick with you when times are hard. Because, therefore, that is a covenant. And that is how it looks in my home when the evening falls and nighttime comes and I'm fast asleep and someone tippy-toes into my room and goes, Mommy, I can't sleep. I don't say, get back to your bed. This is what we agreed on. You're a big boy now. Go back to where you belong. I say, okay, because I love you, just climb in and don't kick me. (laughs) Because I have a covenant with my kids that no matter what, I love them and they're safe with me. A contract and a covenant look very different when we compare the language and compare what they truly mean. So we're going to jump into one of the most early covenants found in scripture and talk about how that switching from that language of if then to the language of because therefore can really change the way we view how God sees us. Our reading is from Genesis chapter 9 beginning in the 8th verse. Then God said to Noah and to his sons with him, as for me... I am establishing my covenant with you and with your descendants after you and with every living creature that is with you, the birds, the domestic animals, and every animal of the earth with you, as many as come out of the ark. I establish my covenant with you that never again shall all flesh be cut off by the waters of a flood, and never again shall there be a flood to destroy the earth." God said, this is the sign of the covenant that I make between me and you and every living creature that is with you for all future generations. I have set my bow in the clouds and it shall be a sign of the covenant between me and the earth. When I bring clouds over the earth and the bow is seen in the clouds, I will remember my covenant that is between me and you and every living creature of all flesh, and the water shall never again become a flood to destroy all flesh. When the bow is in the clouds, I will see it and remember the everlasting covenant between God and every living creature of all flesh that is on the earth. God said to Noah, This is the sign of the covenant that I have established between me and all flesh that is on the earth. It's a story we all heard about in Sunday school. Many nurseries have images of the ark and the animals on the wall. But this is the pivotal moment in that story when God creates a covenant with God's people. Not a contract, but a covenant. If you go back and read that verses, the number of times that God says me and I is staggering. God is constantly saying, as for me, I am establishing my covenant. This is about me, God says. This is your moment to recognize who I plan to be in this world that I've created. It's a powerful, powerful flood story. 
I think we all probably can draw to mind a flood story of our own. Uh, I mean like a literal flood story. A time when you came home and the objects you stored in your basement were floating on uh, six inches of water. Or a time when the rain just wouldn't stop and the ground couldn't soak it in anymore and damage ensued. I still remember August of 2014 when Dave had to spend the night at his previous congregation, Amazing Grace, because it had been raining for days and there was four feet of water throughout the entire city of Warren and Metro Detroit. Do you remember that about 10 years ago? That was unbelievable, scary, overwhelming. A flood is something that just makes you realize how small and out of control you truly are. When the rain comes, it comes, and the waters rise. Our Bible reading tells a story of that biblical flood that happened, of a flood on a, on a global magnitude. And, and as the flood subsides and as Noah and his family walk out of the ark, can you picture what the landscape would have looked like from their perspective? Calling to mind the flood stories that you have in your own history, walking down from the ark and viewing a landscape utterly decimated, gray, saturated with water, lacking hope and life and promise. As the story goes, that is the moment when God creates God's covenant, not just with Noah, not just with his sons and daughters-in-law, not just with the animals in the ark, but with all of creation, God says, all of the earth, my covenant is with you. I will no longer be a God who destroys but a God who creates life. To be honest with you, when that picture of the landscape comes to mind, and when Pastor Dave told me yesterday as our life was kind of developing and going off the rails, and he said, oh yes, it's, uh, it's a covenant theme and you'll be preaching on the flood, I was like, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know about that. Given the absolute destruction and death that's happening right now in our world, I don't know if I want to preach about the flood. I don't know if I have it in me. It hurts to look at the world and to see the numbers continuing to rise as the death of innocence seems to never end. I don't know if I want to preach on the flood when I look around and see how many places are desolate and hurting and going through more than I can possibly fathom. Sometimes when I'm reading through scripture, I hit my limits and I say, I, I don't know, God, who are you really? How is this world working? I feel more like the psalm writer who cries out, how long, God? Is this stuff going to last? Don't we often find ourselves in that place? I mean, when was the last time you made it through an entire day without being interrupted by the news of yet another shooting? Or an increase in threats? Or an increase in the rumors of war? Or images so graphic and disturbing that they don't seem real? Or how often do you make it through a day without the reality of what's going on in your inner landscape coming down hard? The reality that's existing within our own families, 
the broken relationships, losses of loved ones, financial strains, or the realities of our inner landscape of our very own bodies, a recent diagnosis, or those symptoms that continue to defy a diagnosis. We're surrounded with landscapes much like the one Noah and his family faced as they walked down out of that ark. And maybe, just maybe, we find ourselves wondering, as they must have wondered, who is this God that we worship? And what comes next? Then, church, comes the covenant. Then, church, comes God's promise that God doesn't want to work by way of destruction and doesn't want us to work that way either. Then comes the covenant that says, because I created you, knowing full well that you are imperfect and won't always get it right, therefore, I'm going to stick with you and bring life and not death. To mark that promise, God puts a rainbow in the sky. This is the sign of the covenant with all of creation. It's at the very core of who God has decided God is going to be to never again throw away creation. So to me, this is huge. To me, this is so important to understanding who we are and how to exist in a world that is so in need of healing. That God has promised to never ditch us when things go wrong. To never abandon us when we fail. To never give up on us when we've done less than our best. And this covenant will just continue to roll downhill like, like a, a snowball gathering more and more and getting bigger and bigger and more stronger and more powerful until God's covenant is shown by the Christ who sits at the table and says to the disciples, this is my new covenant with you in my blood, in my body, that nothing will separate you from me. With God's covenantal promise in mind, how might that change the way that you and I respond to the world? How might that give us pause when we would rather put things into terms of a contract and say, you know what, I'll do that, but only if? How might God's covenant encourage us to meet the world and our neighbors with an unconditional covenant of love and grace? Because God first loved me, Therefore, I'm showing up today. Because God refuses to give up on me, therefore, I will try again and again to forgive and to receive and give forgiveness. Because it hurts, but it matters. With God's covenant in mind, how might we step back a minute before we respond out of anger or frustration or desperation or exhaustion and breathe in our truth that God loves that person in front of us? That, my dear ones, is the question laid at our feet today. That God has made a promise and a covenant with you that you will never be separated from God's love. And how will that reality inform everything that you say and that you do? Blessings on your journey as you wrestle with that this week. Let us pray. 
loving God so much in our lives is conditional and full of consequences and possible disappointments. Help us to try and evolve our understanding of all of our relationships into a covenantal instead of contractual. Help us to greet others with your love and your grace. Help us to hold together the realities of a broken world, also knowing that you do not want destruction or death. Help us to be messengers of life, of love, and of healing. Bless this world that you've created and bless our lives within it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We'll sing together uh, our offering song and receive the gifts of our offering at this time. Amen. If you ever wondered if God could show up in a key change, there's your proof. (laughs) In response to the generosity and promises of God, as we've received our offering, now we call upon God to receive our prayers. So if it's comfortable for you, I invite you to stand. But if sitting for prayer is more comfortable, that is the the best way for you to enter God's presence, then please uh, sit or stand as is most comfortable. Each prayer will end with merciful God, and then please respond, receive our prayer. God, our truth. The ark of your church has room for many expressions of faith. We give thanks for voices that challenge and awaken your people. Merciful God. God, our maker, you remember your covenant with the earth and all its inhabitants. Rescue communities and creatures hurting from natural disasters. Preserve species and habitats endangered by human carelessness and disregard. Merciful God. God, our light, you know our weakness. Free all who govern from the temptations of power. Sustain all who work for human rights in every nation. Merciful God. God, our help, you care for your beloved children. Comfort all who are grieving, especially the family of Jerry Lou Colzani. Comfort all and be with all who are ill, afraid, in pain, or in despair, especially those we name now either silently or out loud. Feed hungry people living in food deserts. Protect any at risk from exploitation and abuse. Merciful God. Receive these prayers, O God, and all those too deep for words. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, as we now pray the prayer he taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. We now take a moment to reflect on our week and confess those times we failed to live as God would have us live. We do so using together the confession on the screen. God of life, we confess that we are wrapped up in sin and cannot free ourselves. 
We nurture conflict and build walls. We neglect the needs of our neighbors and ignore the groaning of creation. Have mercy on us. Where we are self-centered, open our hearts. Where we are reluctant, give us courage. Where we are cynical, restore our trust. Renew us with your grace and give us the hope of new life in you. Amen. One of the wonderful things about our Lutheran theology is that we believe we have all been given the power to extend forgiveness or absolution to one another. And so this isn't something we do once on Sunday, but hopefully something we practice every day. And it's something your pastors need too. So this I always ask you guys, instead of saying amen at the end, say, and also with you, so that I can receive that forgiveness from you as well. Now hear this, my dear siblings. In the mercy of Almighty God, Jesus Christ was given to die for all of us, and for his sake, God forgives us all our sins. As a called and ordained member of the Church of Christ and by God's authority, I therefore declare unto you the entire forgiveness of all your sin. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and please respond, and also with you. Amen. Please be seated. A few things uh, instructionally about communion. If you're at home, please pull out your bread and wine or grape juice at this time. If you are communing from your seats um, or would like to, there are prepackaged cups in the back if that is a better option for you in this season of life. Uh, We will have a moment before we begin communing uh, where you are giving the words of that, given the words of that promise. In the night in which he was betrayed, our Lord Jesus took bread, blessed it and broke it, and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat. This is my body given for you. Do this for the remembrance of me. Again, after supper, he took the cup, gave thanks, and gave it for all to drink, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, shed for you and for all people for the forgiveness of sin. Do this for the remembrance of me. I invite our communion deacons to come forward. Uh, As the ushers come down the aisle, they will will usher you from the farther portion of the sanctuary toward the front to come to one of the communion stations where you will first receive bread in your outstretched hands and then given the choice of either red wine or golden grape juice, which is in the center of the tray. If you would prefer a gluten-free wafer, please let your deacon know or make eye contact with me, and I will hold the container out, and you can grab a gluten-free wafer from within that uh, for your own use. Uh, Children who have not gone through communion instruction are welcome to come forward for a blessing. And please remember that whether you're a member here or not, whether you are a Lutheran or not, this is God's love given and shed for you, and so it is open and welcome to all. Come and taste and see that the Lord is good. Please stand if you're comfortable. People of God, may the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ strengthen you and keep you in his grace. And all God's people say... Amen. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord's face shine on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord look upon you with favor and give you peace. Amen.
Go in peace, share the good news. Thanks be to God.